The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show, the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions. And now, the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio. Here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show right here on Voice America, America's Voice. And today, we're doing an amazing interview on our first half hour, talking about um, memories of the Holocaust. And my guest is Janet Lieberg, and she is the author of a novel, called Rembrandt's Shadow, and it is based on the true events of a family, uh, the story of Sylvie Rosenberg, the privileged Jewish daughter of a renowned art dealer during Nazi-occupied Holland. Her father's love was confirmed the day he traded his beloved Rembrandt painting to the Nazis in exchange for her life, and this assured that their family would be safe. But after all his negotiating for visas with the prominent German signatures to travel by rail to Spain, Sylvie wondered if the train doors would open to their freedom or to the death camps. And if she was spared, would she ever really escape her own guilt? Welcome to you, Janet. Thank you, for Patricia. I really yeah. appreciate being on your show. Uh, yeah, now, this is a novel, correct? So Sylvie is fictional. The, the person, right? But but this is based on true events. Yes, it, it is a romantic World War II novel, but it is based on uh, true historical events of my husband's family. And the characters I designed after uh, real-life characters, but I, you know, had some um, literary license with that. I had fun. I colored the characters up a little more. <laughs> Uh, but my mother-in-law was very colorful character, so she made it easy for me. Wow. Mm. Well, why did you decide to write this, Janet? Why did you feel that this was important? Uh, the first thing that comes to mind is it, it is a tribute to its personal for the family that were lost. There were uh, 65 out of 90, uh, who did not make it out of out alive, so 25 were saved. It's a tribute mm-hmm. to them and to the two brothers who were the art dealers, who they went through endless negotiating to keep their family alive. It was always a canvas for a life type of situation, almost like Sophie's Choice. And um, Yes, yes. I, I am amazed, too, uh, Patricia, that a lot of... People still do not know much about the Holocaust or even, I've, I've had a 60-year-old woman recently say, what's the Holocaust? <laughs> and it just, mm. it just blows my mind. Mm. So I, 
Well, I have to say, say on that note, without a lot of discussion around this, because I'm very charged around it, but when you say what's the Holocaust, there is a movie currently out. If people are listening in early November of 2016, there is a movie out right now called Denial. And I don't know if you saw it yet. But it's, I heard it's, about uh, it, and I'm, yeah. I can't it, wait to see it. Yeah, it's, it's really it's, it's, uh, profound, um, and it really is a belief by one man that the Holocaust never existed, and uh, they took wow. him to court in England. So people should watch that, and even if it's after the time when you hear this interview, find it, denial, and really uh, watch it, because it's, um, it's an amazing testimony to people who are really in tremendous denial. That's so Unbelievable. Yeah, let's talk about um, let's talk about this one particular painting that Goering wanted for Hitler, and it yeah. was get it was used to get a relative released from one of the holding camps. So that was a true that was true, correct? Yes. Uh, well, actually, the painting that saved the twenty five lives that was exchanged for uh, twenty five visas. That was a Rembrandt. The painting that saved the brother's mother, the art dealer's mother, was the one that got her out of Westerbork, and her next uh, stop would have been Auschwitz. So that was a Mm -hmm. lucky uh, last-minute trade also. Uh, So that was a a poignant moment. Yeah, it's, um, it's interesting. How, how these, I've heard so many stories like this where, you know, just at a split second, your life is saved. It could go one way Unbelievable. Yeah. Yes, yeah. they did. You, you um, I must tell you that the research still trickles into this day. And one, uh, last year, maybe a year and a half ago, maybe almost two years, uh, a relative, most of my husband's relatives live in Europe. Uh, they found a postcard and it was it was really very uh, moving. Um, it was it was very descriptive of uh, how desperate they were, asking for help, like uh, to the brothers. Can't you do? What can you do? It's mostly the children. We worry about the children. And and when you mm-hmm. read it, you just tears are coming down your face whenever you think of children in mm-hmm. these situations. They lost their eldest sister on a cattle car called the Lost Transport. Uh, when the Germans evacuated Bergen-Belsen, and um, it was ahead of the Russians uh, liberating the camp, uh, just at the, uh, uh, unfortunately, before they were liberated, and there were 2,500 prisoners on that train, and 550 died, and it just aimlessly drifted mm-hmm. between en- enemy lines, and it, could you imagine packed on that train? Mm-hmm. So yeah, they died of uh, the conditions. Yeah, very, very severe conditions. Not only the Jews were affected in the Holocaust, correct? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it, it was everybody, actually. It was the civilians, if you think about that, the starvation, the, the disease. They had harsh winters. Um, they, the, the Nazis wanted to, anybody who was not perfect, they wanted to kill gays. They wanted to kill um, gypsies and handicapped. It's yeah. insane, just insane. Yeah, they want you to make like this perfect Aryan race. Right. Yeah. Terrible. Yeah. Um, how many pieces of art were stolen? Hundreds of them, correct? 
Yes. Uh, well, we started out, uh, it was over 200 we were questioning. Now we're, we believe 187 paintings and two tapestries are still um, on the walls of the museums. And we are, have been going for many years trying to uh, track down and have uh, communication with the Dutch Restitution Committee regarding it because they they are asking for something which defies logic, and that is new documentation um, all the, over 70 years later, and also to prove, this part really makes me crazy, to prove that they were under duress. <laughs> I mean, are you serious? So which, what Jewish people, who was not under duress during those times? So I, I, that, that one really bothers me a lot. Yeah, yeah, it's you no, know, and and I think the message is we can never forget. And so let let's talk a little bit about that because there was a story in the New York Times from 2007 called "Heirs Make Huge Claim Over Dutch Works of Art." Now, was that the story that was more about women in gold, that painting, or this one? Um. Well. The Woman in Gold is the movie you're referring to. Right. That's totally different. Right. Um, the Rembrandt's the Rembrandt's shadow that we refer to. The Rembrandt was the one that was exchanged for the twenty five Jewish lives. I'll, I'll back up a little. In nineteen thirty eight, um, uh, the brothers Benjamin and his his uh, brother Nathan. The, the grandfather was Benjamin and his brother Nathan, and they were really well known art dealers in, in a, the, a town called Deren, and that was 15 minutes from the German border, very close. So Hitler targeted this family for two years before they occupied Holland, and uh, what happened was they were taken by surprise, uh, more or less, even though you know, they were in denial that this was going to happen. Every country, it seemed like, thought, this can't happen here. But uh, they were targeted, and Hitler actually sent Goering into the gallery and into the home, and they ushered the children out of the room, and they weren't allowed to use the bathroom. And mm. Goering had a gun mm. in the pocket, and he would point at all the paintings he wanted. And right after they were occupied, I think it was two and a half months later, um, they were forced, the brothers were forced to sell in one transaction um, approximately 500 paintings, which is something they would never do because they were smart mm. businessmen. So, um, yeah, so that's how, how it went down. And uh, then the, the uh, Nazis wanted to keep the brothers uh, alive because as long as they were alive, they were able to force them to obtain more masterpieces mm-hmm. and more and more mm-hmm. until they ran out and then yeah. they were useless. Yeah, you heard that so much in so many ways, you know, that right, they would but save people's lives, though, Janet. You know, I mean, it's a horrible thing, but, you know, if you were useful, your life could be saved. So, I mean, you yeah. think about that with the singers, the folks that were performers, and the Nazis were trying to show that they were really do-gooders, so they would have it's Jewish amazing. But they were really That's prisoners. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. Yes, they were prisoners, and, and as long as they were useful, right? If you were too young, they, they, they killed one and a half million children. They actually had, this is a horrible thought, but they actually had buckets of water next to delivery tables when mothers had, 
infants. They would just, you know, just drown them. I hate uh, that uh, thought. Yeah. And so, but 60 million died during this conflict. Um, six zero million. That that's crazy. And I I always believe uh, six million uh, Jews were exterminated, and they, you know, I believe that six million stories should be told. Uh, right. well, I, when story. we come back from the break, we're going to come back. But when we come back, I want to talk about this article that was in 2014 in the Krog Library News. It said, How Rembrandt Saved My Life, presented by you and your husband. Over 70 years later, the Berg family is still waiting for the Dutch government to do the right thing and return their grandfather's masterpieces that he was forced to sell to the Nazis. On behalf of the 65 relatives who perished during the Holocaust, they will be at the library to tell the real story behind this novel, Rembrandt Shadow. So let's talk more about that and where you are with that now in terms of still waiting. And we're listening to, you're listening to the Patricia Raskin Show right here on VoiceAmerica.com, America's Voice. My guest is Janet Leeberg, and her novel is Rembrandt's Shadow. And this, this novel is based on the true events of a family of Sylvia Rosenberg, a privileged Jewish family of a renowned art dealer during pre-Nazi-occupied Holland, and how he basically traded his, uh, the painting of the Rembrandt for his daughter's life. You're listening to The Patricia Raskin Show. We will be right back. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com Have you found the beauty inside of you? Join Bonnie Bonadeo each week for Beauty Inside and Out. We'll explain how beauty plays a part in everybody's lives. Our guests are makeup artists, hairdressers, and doctors. But we'll also feature holistic and wellness specialists and spiritual advisors. You can find that beauty inside and express it to its fullest on the outside. Tune in to Beauty Inside and Out every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Where are you getting your advice on buying, selling, or maintaining your most important asset, your home? Is it from a reality show on cable TV, a comparison website, or are you just flying by the seat of your pants and gut instinct? Stop now before you make another move. Tune into Real Real Estate Today with host and realtor Deb Tomorrow. You can't afford to play guesswork when it comes to your new or existing home. Listen every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Why? Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com.
You are listening to The Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to The Patricia Raskin Show. Well, hello, everyone, and we are back. You're listening to The Patricia Raskin Show right here on VoiceAmerica.com, and I'm Patricia Raskin. And we are talking to Janet Lieberg, who's the author of Rembrandt's Shadow. It is a novel, and it is based on two events of a family um, in terms of what happened in pre-occupied in, in, uh, Nazi Germany. And actually, this was in Holland. And the story is of Sylvie Rosenberg, a privileged Jewish, Jewish daughter of a renowned art dealer. And uh, he basically traded his beloved Rembrandt painting to the Nazis in exchange for his daughter. So welcome back, Janet. So Thank you, Patricia. Yeah, let me ask you, so in, in the true story with your family, the, was the painting traded for a child? Well, actually, for 25 lives, uh, in, in the fiction, I, I, uh, I did say for 25 Jewish lives in, in the uh, novel also, but uh, Sylvie, the character in the novel, always felt denied her father's love. Uh, he was very busy with art, and actually in real life, the father was busy with art. And so he wasn't home a lot, and she really tried to impress him with uh, learning a lot about art, uh, being knowledgeable so she, she could be his pet, and, and uh, mm. that's part of the novel. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about the article and where your family is with that, because this was written in 2014, and it was in the Krog Library News, and it said that your family, the Berg family, is still waiting for the Dutch government to do the right thing and return the grandfather's masterpiece that he was forced to sell to the Nazis. Where are you with that? Uh, This started, uh, I'll tell you how it started. In 2003, I started writing a novel about love and war. And 2007, a distant relative um, started an art claim. And we were not privy to this. And... Um, we saw a New York Times article uh, that you're referring to, and we discovered it that way. So relatives all over Europe, everybody was on board. What, where These paintings are actually hanging on walls of museums, and, and so it started. Mm-hmm. Um, there's Jan Steen and uh, Gerard Du, Nicholas Maas, and many other Dutch masters. And in a way, I could, it's understandable that the Dutch... Uh, think of them as their national treasures, but they don't own them and they don't show provenance. They just hang on the walls. And it's not right. You know, we can actually change the course of art history by uh, showing ownership. So we hired um, uh, a great attorney and uh, uh, the top expert on pilfered art during World War II, and it's still not easy. So they recently are looking at the backs of the paintings, and uh, it's just, it's almost over. (laughs) Uh, We're reaching the point of the end of this whole thing. It's not in the courts. It's just discussion and back and forth, and they keep extending 
the answers, and we don't know where it will go and if it will ever go anywhere in our lifetime, but uh, we just need to uh, to right this wrong. Yeah. There's yeah. also um, uh, no records were kept of uh, antiques and other items that the grandfathers had, but, you know, we we don't even consider that part at all. It's mm. uh, just, you know, it, it can go on and on, and we don't want to make it, a, a um, you know, something impossible to uh, try to locate. So, you, yeah, so it, 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 that, that's because there's no records, then it's a little harder, right? It's yes. harder to prove in that respect. Yeah. Talk about some of the lessons of this story of hope and family values and forgiveness. Well, you know, <laughs> I, I found... Personally, I could not wrap my head around the numbers of the deadliest conflict in history. Just as I said before, the 60 million uh, lives lost and the 6 million Jews exterminated and 1.5 million children. So when I'm just fascinated with World War II novels, and when I read one story at a time, I feel I could learn a lesson from that one story and feel that one person at a time, which represents the six million. Um, you know, and I, and I feel like I, I need to shine a light on um, uh, the act of humanity also that, that was, uh, even with um, German civilians who tried to hide uh, some Jewish people, and, you know, they risked their lives. They had no food themselves. And so yeah. th- there is good that comes out of something bad also, um, even though you had a, a sick man like Hitler, um, yeah. yeah, there are there are lessons for sure. Yeah, very much so. My mother-in-law, uh, coming from the Holocaust, my yeah. mother-in-law, she she was a colorful character, and I I did give her uh, flaws in the book, uh, almost like Madame Bovary to to make her even more colorful. But I must mm. say about her coming out of the Holocaust, I was amazed that she did not show an ounce of um, prejudice, so that's a lesson to learn. I've seen that before with people, um, and people who really, I mean, particularly if they've survived themselves, there there hasn't, there's been more of gratitude. That's that's what I've seen. Right. Yeah. She was not necessarily a happy woman. She was funny as anything, Um, but... It, you could be funny. I think of some actors, some famous comedians that were funny and you know uh, ended their life. Uh, so you, it's 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 a closeness there, you know, between the humor and uh, tragedy. Um, the one of the brothers, the, the two art dealers I was talking about, um, Opa Benjamin Katz and his brother Nathan. Nathan, a couple of years after the war, uh, jumped. He leaped from a building and ended his mm. life, and that was very common. So guilt really mm. plays a part, even if you survive. Yeah. that. Mm. Well, I mean, yeah, and, and what you've seen, I think just what you see is just so horrific that it exactly. sometimes, you know, you can have nightmares forever. Uh, exactly. Yeah. So even writing sense. this, even just writing this, uh, I was not around during that time, but I... I uh, I felt the intensity, and sometimes I mean I'd be writing in tears because it just it it became very real. Yeah, 
Yeah, very much so. Imagine. So what's the takeaway? What do you want to leave our listeners with from reading this book uh, in terms of the paintings, in terms of, you know, hope? Well, what, what, what would be your message? My message, let me see. I, you know, well, as I said before, the people who are unaware, I want them to be aware. And it was worth the 13 years it took to write it because I feel like the, the lesson uh, well, that we don't want history to repeat itself as long as there's prejudice and hatred. So the lesson would be to teach your children. It's got to start in the family. It's got to start in the home and just pass it forward. Yeah. How can people find the book? And, uh, and if, you, you know, if you're interested in giving talks, how can they find all that? I, I do go to libraries. I do talks at bookstores. Um, Oh, art galleries, um, Amazon.com, every bookstore you could ask for it. Um, my website, uh, JanetLeeBerg.com, uh, just so many ways. And book clubs are asking me to Skype, and I go in person also uh, locally. Um, so many ways, and I'm thrilled to do it, and I'm very grateful. Yeah, that's really wonderful. And again, um, before we have a couple of minutes left, so just tell us one interesting part of the book, maybe one one quick part that will def- definitely entice our listeners to get the book and read it. Okay. Well, I made the story generational on purpose. I had... Um, Sylvie, the main character, the, the uh, girl who escaped on the train, um, have a son, Michael, and he had to face the Vietnam War. And the, the wounds, the, your parents passed, you can't really patch the wounds of your parents passed. So I juxtaposed both wars to show that uh, hatred continues, you know, and so... I think that's a lesson uh, to see. And so I had him, Michael, meet a Gentile girl. And uh, when this continues on, uh, she visits Dachau concentration camp in the late 60s. And she realizes what, her, uh, what Michael's mother uh, needs to do uh, to keep her heritage alive. And yet she feels... Um, she loves his son more than anyone could ever love his son. And why can't she see the similarities, you know? So that's um, a lesson. Yeah, so important. And again, tell people how they can get the book. Yes, uh, Amazon.com, all the bookstores, which I love bookstores. Um, and uh, any uh, art gallery, library, you could ask for it. Um, uh, many different venues like that. All right. And Thank my you website. So much. Thank you. And give us your website again. JanetLeeBerg.com. Okay. Janet, L-E-E-B-E-R-G.com. Janet, thanks so yes. much for being on the program. Really oh, appreciate it. thank you, it. Patricia. I appreciate thank your you. time. All thank right. You. I'll stay on the line for a minute. All right, folks. Um, the second half of our program, our next interview is coming up next, right here on VoiceAmerica.com, America's Voice. I'm Patricia Raskin. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Thank 
you for tuning in to this week's edition of The Patricia Raskin Show. Be sure to join Patricia Raskin and another amazing guest next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an outstanding week. We'll be right back.